Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. It's all connected. Everything. So did you think I was going to come on and yell at you again? I had a feeling. I mean, we were <laughs> totally lost. Um, I mean, I think in the end it came out all right. It was probably 15 minutes shorter than we would have liked, but it was minus a person, so we faked our way through plenty of it. No, you guys actually, all kidding aside, you guys actually did a bang-up job last week on episode 50. I apologize for not being around, um, but if you can't tell by my voice, two things. One, I bought a new mic. Nice. Yeah, I uh, I sprung for the Blue Yeti, which uh, Aaron Newworth's been singing its praises. I've done a lot of research, which I'm prone to do about before I pretty much buy anything. And every top five list that, uh, for podcasting mics that came out, the Blue Yeti was, was always either pretty close to... to top five or if not like number two so um i decided to splurge excellent well you sound clear in your throat and (laughs) yeah on the uh through the microphone yeah but no you guys did did i was it's funny i was watching last week's episode and uh when the reveal came well there's two big reveals i guess and but one in particular i was like you called it you totally called it, you know, especially after I listened to last week's episode. Uh, I, I actually listened to the episode before uh, I, I uh, started watching this week's episode on TV. Um, and and you had mentioned about uh, about our, our doctor, Ivchenko, being uh, Dr. Faustus and, you know, pointed out that catch from the screen grab. And uh, lo and behold... Uh, we find out that uh, Dr. Ivchenko's real name is Johan Fenhoff, which is the real name for Dr. Faustus in the comics. There are two sayings uh, that I would like to repeat right now. One is even a blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while. And (laughs) two, a broken clock is even right twice a day. (laughs) Well, I think you earned being being right. That's for sure. Uh, that was that was a really really good catch. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just I thought it was awesome because I I didn't I didn't expect that. You know, I when when this all started, and then when you, it, it's funny because I was watching it. Uh, I was watching episode seven. I saw that he was reading something, but I didn't catch it. And I was watching it live over the antenna, so I couldn't rewind it back. And uh, since I wasn't going to be on the show because I was sick, I didn't go back and rewatch it before uh, before you guys recorded the episode. So when you mentioned, you know, hey, you know, you saw this, I was like, man, I had it. I even had it in my notes to see like what was he reading, you know, to to, to pause it. Um, so when you brought it up, I was like, that's that's genius. Um, and then and then the fact that they played it further was was really surprising. Yeah, and they still haven't really revealed, you know, he hasn't called himself Dr. Faustus on right. the show. Right. So, you know, it's interesting when to me when they do that, it's almost like a gift to the geeks because the new the new, you know, TV watcher noob type people that are uh, are catching this stuff are not picking up on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I didn't even see that around the net i mean usually you look on facebook and stuff like that and somebody's pointed it out and, and it's you know viral everywhere um and before you mentioned it i didn't even see that out there you know among the ether so so again cool. good call um that was my gift to the episode 50 extravaganza a good gift it was and this is episode 51 of it's all connected as i i don't think we've said that yet we have not the big Peggy Carter finale. Yeah, yeah, and as Ken is quick to point out that if we didn't do the Spider-Man episode, this would have been episode fifty. But uh, 
he's not here, so no. that's just and, the way it goes. And Spider-Man episode was our most listened to show ever. So, yeah. <laughs> so oh well. It's episode 51. I regret nothing. <laughs> um, I guess we'll back up a little bit uh, and do a little bit of news. Not much news to talk about, really. Uh, I think the biggest thing that's happened in the last week is we got not one, really not even two, but three new posters for Age of Ultron. And uh, one of them is just a take off the other for the most part. We've got the American version of the Age of Ultron poster, which is is really just like a Photoshop collage. Uh, and the international poster, I think, is it, it, it tones down the amount of Ultrons in the background. It pushes Vision off to the side. It has Cap in the... Uh, behind Iron Man, I believe, and the American one has Cap in front of Iron Man. Um, and then Robert Downey Jr. tweeted out uh, his character poster, which has him with his helmet off, kind of kneeled down, with a bunch of Ultrons kind of in the background. It's 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 a spotlight picture of Iron Man. Uh, and he tweeted out that in eight days, there'll be some sort of big announcement. So I don't know if it's going to be another trailer or uh, or who knows what uh, that that we should see. Uh, in I guess a, a, a week from to tomorrow so the uh, I guess it's going to be what the 5th of, of March that sounds right yeah the 5th of March so we'll see what Mr. RDJ has in store uh, I don't know what you thought about the posters I'm, I mean for the most part they're, they fall in line with what we've seen for the other Marvel movies from the first Avengers movies these don't really excite me that much. I mean, to me, taking snippets from uh, either promotional photos or from stills from the movie and clipping them out in Photoshop and collaging them together with some kind of background, I don't find much artistry in that. I mean, I I don't know if I'm just an old fogey or what. I, I like the more stylistic movie posters that we used to get back in the day. I mean, I like the... The Drew Struzans and and some you know some of the other you know even from the fifties and the sixties that we got where it, they were art pieces not just photos. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, it, it seems like you either get the photoshopped collage like you mentioned, or you get the hero facing away from the camera, looking halfway over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, those are like the two movie posters in different combinations that. Uh, that we seem to get now. I thought this one was particularly lazy. You know, I don't know. It's yeah. just, it's clearly just images patched together into no real sort of, um, it, it, it's forced together. You know, they're, I mean, I guess they're all looking in the same direction, but there's nothing really going on. No, and um, it's, it's weird. They're like horseshoed. You know, it's like you look off to the right and, You've got Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, you know, vertically above everybody, everybody else. It's just, it's it just slaps you in the face that it's a Photoshop collage. Yeah, and I mean, I get you know clearly they're hiding Vision, which is fine. Sure, um, but you know that doesn't help either. That there's kind of like a Vision. Is there a Vision silhouette or is that an Ultron silhouette? No, that's a like Vision a, soldier. Yeah, yeah, a, yeah the yeah. cape and everything. Yeah. All oh, right, right, and there's all. Uh, Plenty of Ultrons will be had by all. <laughs> yes, yes. All the Ultrons, as they say. Um, the next bit is, I guess, we got some casting confirmations, which is really kind of a surprise to nobody. But So it looks like we will get the Falcon in Age of Ultron, we will get Peggy Carter, and we will get Heimdall. Uh, which I think Haley Atwell and Idris Elba were, like, big secret to no one kind of thing. I mean, that that's pretty much been out there, that they were... They were going to be involved. I, I think it just there wasn't an official official announcement uh, out there. The Anthony Mackie one surprised me a little bit. I know there was a lot of rumor that he uh, that he was going to show up or be in it, um, but he actually, you know, the, when the poster came out, he's actually fully credited uh, in the in the lower section of the poster. Uh, so I'm guessing probably he's going to show up at you know the end for a battle scene or possibly a flashback or something too. I mean. Hard, hard to say, I guess, at this point. Yeah, I don't know if it was a, like, leaked screenplay talk or or where it came from, but there's always sort of been this rumor of, like, a giant battle at the end where, you know, lots of extra heroes are going to show up. 
Um, and, you know, they, they, some people had said that this would lead to, like, the next wave of Avengers team. Like, maybe you'd get, you know, just for instance, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, cameos, Black Panther showing up at the end, um, sort of leading you into, like, whatever Avengers 3 will, will be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of Katie Sackhoff, maybe we could throw that in now. Yeah. Um, big rumors. I, I looked it up while you were talking so I could have some facts in front of me. Uh, last summer, beginning of August, she had tweeted that she was going on a super secret job. Um, and there were she gave some very uh, cryptic clues after that that she tweeted. And they were like close-ups of a... Of like a superhero costume, maybe, um, and everybody assumed that this was because everybody's been, you know, fan casting her from the beginning that she would be the next Captain Marvel, and that obviously she was filming this cameo for the Age of Ultron, either for the tag at the end of the movie or for the, this big battle scene at the end where all these extra heroes were going to come to the aid of the Avengers. Um, so it turns out she was actually filming this unofficial Power Rangers reboot uh, that just hit the web and I think is being taken uh, I think is being taken down now uh, the real people behind the Power Rangers are not happy with this no. sort of fan film yeah um, and it's a real director. I don't know his name off the top of my head. Um, it's it's the, more than a fan film. Fan film is not the right term, clearly. But it's un, an unofficial short, the director. Uh, so it looks like, yeah, the director was Joseph Kahn, who I guess his biggest thing is he directed Torque, even though it's been some time since uh, since that movie came out, 2004. Um I was thinking it was uh, Adi Shankar that produced it, and he's the guy that directed Dread, so that was what was crossing me up. I knew that that like a real, um, not that not that Joseph Kahn isn't a real director, but a bigger name, more recent uh, director was attached to that project, um, and so that that's what was throwing me off. Did you have you actually watched it? Um, I watched like parts of it, and then I I meant to watch the whole thing. I was at work when I saw it, and then. Um... You know, I forgot about it, kind of. But I heard really good things about it. It looked darker and, like, more adult and stuff. Oh, for sure. It, yeah, it, it's pretty good. I mean, I, I am I am not a Power Rangers purist or fan, even. I mean, my kids were, especially my son, that was his thing when he was a kid. You know, in the in the early 90s, that was a, that was a big show on TV, and he was all, all into that. Um, and it's still growing strong, so I don't have any attachment to it. Um, but... It was kind of interesting to see like a, a more adult, you know, take on it. You know, just grittier and and tougher and and stuff. So, yeah, and I'm sure if you check out our friends on the uh, com, you'll probably see some more reaction to that. Yes, that's more their thing. Yes, absolutely. But I guess that's all the news. I didn't really have, like I said, anything else. We've we've kind of had a lot of news coming in. There's there's not a whole lot. Um, out there, we I guess we've you know pretty much same old previews for the most part that we've been getting for Agents of Shield. We haven't had any real big Agents of Shield news you know come in lately, more so than we've talked about in the past. So yeah, there's been a few clips and previews and things for the upcoming uh, you know return, but uh, nothing that we would discuss you know until after the show airs anyway. So yeah, yeah. So I guess without further ado. We'll talk about episode eight of Agent Carter, Valediction. Uh, and um, I, I, I have a lot to say about this episode, more about the show itself than this specific episode. Um, and I think after seeing the episode in full and putting it in the context of maybe what they wanted to do with the show, where they want it to go in the future, I felt a little bit better about it as a whole. Um, and I, I think that the, the final episode here had some redeeming qualities for me overall. I mean, there were a lot of things to like, in my opinion, I thought about the show. I know there was a lot of reaction that people thought it was a little flat, um, that it really wasn't, you know, what they thought it was going to be overall, that they weren't really happy with, you know, where it put things at the end. Um, and everybody's anxious to get back to agents of shield. Um, 
but I, I think it positioned itself a lot better than I thought it would have three episodes ago, say. Yeah, and, you know, a couple of things that we talked about last week, which kind of came to fruition here. Um, it's difficult to do a prequel series because you know what's going to happen at the end, basically. Right. There's no peril. There's no real sense of peril. Right. Just like, you know, we love, and we've talked about it occasionally here, certainly on our other shows, uh, Russell and I are huge fans of Sons of Anarchy, and we're very excited for the John Teller prequel series. But guess what? He's going to die at the end, and it's going to be a motorcycle crash. <laughs> you know, we we know that going in. So there's only so much they can do to... Uh, surprise us in the end. Uh, so I think that, that was certainly a factor here. Um, I also still wonder if they started thinking season two like somewhere in the middle of this and changed what they would leave open-ended at the end. Because I did hear the official Marvel podcast uh, after this episode aired and it had some of the producers on. And one of our questions has been, are they even expecting a season two? Or was this just supposed to be, you know, a, a miniseries in the true sense of the word? Right. And they're definitely talking season two. Um, not, not to say that they're saying season two is happening, but they are saying, you know, if we do season two, we would be able to explore X, Y, and Z. You know, they, it is in the conversation is what I'm getting at. Sure. That that doesn't surprise me. I I given it was a tight episode series, given they probably wrote it all at once, and it was probably filmed over a fairly tight schedule, as opposed to like what they would do maybe for Agents of Shield or or you know even like the Daredevil series. Um, I I would think they probably had that plotted out from the beginning, and um, you know just looking at the episode, given that it ended. I know there's been a lot of talk. I know Ken has been a big proponent of. He wants to. He wanted to see the formation of Shield. He wanted to see Peggy Carter take take the reins, um, and a lot of that going on. And as this is the show has gone on, it just seems like that's not what they wanted this show to be. That wasn't. I don't think that was the intention from the get go. And I, it was funny because I was watching the finale and I was like, well, wait a minute. If at the end of this she becomes director of the new Shield organization, then they can't really call it Agent Carter, right? <laughs> you know, maybe they call it Director Carter, <laughs> um, but it's not really Agent Carter anymore. And when you when you think back on those Agents of Shield episodes, they made it seem like she was in charge of the SSR or had a big hand in the SSR because they looked over a lot of her SSR files. Now, granted, a lot of that goes back to World War II, but thinking about it more, it almost seems like in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they make it seem like the SSR hung around a little bit longer than, you know, maybe we thought, which was at the end of the war, the SSR just turned into S.H.I.E.L.D., and it's looking like that's not the case. Right. And, and I mean, they also, you know, when she walks into the office in that one of those final scenes and, and she gets basically a standing ovation from everybody. Yeah. You know, my thought process went right to, well, here we go. You know, they're going to yeah. somebody's going to walk in and say, we're starting this new thing called Shield and we'd like you to head it up. You know, that's where I thought it was it was going. And then, you know, within the next minute, Thompson's getting all the credit for everything and not, you know, coming uh coming clean about it and you know we're kind of back to where we started not fully obviously now she has the respect of all of her peers but you know she hasn't gained any status really at that point right i, I will say one of the things i i was happy with where it left it was she's comfortable with herself now like at the beginning i think she felt like maybe she had a little bit of a chip that she felt like she had to go take the methods she did. She had to go work on her own. She had to be, go outside of the system. She didn't really trust or like or admire any of those guys. And I think the way things ended, especially when the senator came in and then Sousa, you know, even said something to her about, you know, hey, Thompson's taking all the credit. Doesn't that bother you? I, I think when she got the standing ovation walking in, that was like her moment where 
look, I don't, I don't need recognition from all these other people. I, I have what I wanted, which was to come into work and be respected and to be treated like an equal. So while Thompson got all the credit, I think, I hope that if we get a second season, it's they treat her more as an equal. I mean, it doesn't mean that they don't have to, for dramatic effect or comedic, you know, flair or whatever, still have the guys kind of be guys and and treat her, you know, tr- treat her like crap now and then. But I think overall, she can she she's going to be, I hope, more on par with with the rest of them. Um, yeah, and and just the whole bit at the end. Tying it in as much to Captain America as they did kind of surprised me a little bit. I mean, uh, you know, the the you know, a big part of the plot was Howard getting in the plane and be and thinking. You know, Faustus convinced him he was uh, gonna be able to find Steve. That you know that that they found you know found the plane and that he would be able to uh, you know to rescue him. And you know, they even show Peggy with the shield at one point, and then you know the whole bit at the end with her standing on the bridge. And pouring out his blood, which was a little creepy, but I get what they were trying to do with that. I mean, it, it made sense from a thematic standpoint. I mean, she, I guess that was her closure moment for Steve, you know, that, that she was able to, to kind of let go and, and realize that she needs to enter the next phase of her life and not just be this person that's in this office pining for Captain America. And jog my memory a little bit. When Steve visits her in the Captain America movies, and she's all old and wrinkly, obviously, because he's in modern day now, are there, like, pictures of her with, like, another family, like she was married and had kids and and stuff like that? I seem to remember that they made it clear that, like, she had moved on, but I could totally be making that up in my head. Yeah, no, she mentions, you know, about how she had a good life and a family and kids, and I think on the side table in that room, there was a picture or two, but she definitely tells him, you know, that, that she, um, that, yeah, that she had a life and she had a a husband and, you know, and children. So, um, so again, I think, I think this was kind of that moment where that realization came to a head for her. Right. And just, you know, understanding Stark's relationship with, with Steve, you know, I mean, she makes a big point when she's on the radio, which I thought was cool. That was a nice little callback to the end of the first Avenger, where she was on the radio with Steve trying to convince him that, you know, he doesn't have to down the plane and, you know, he could save himself and save everybody. And, uh, you know, she kind of felt like she was in that, you know, it was like deja vu with Stark, um, but she was able to actually get through to Stark uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, get him to, to kind of snap out of it. So I thought I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about uh, with Stark. Um, again, you remember the movies better than me. I have to watch them like over and over again to get it to stick. But in the in the flashbacks that we have seen of Howard Stark in the movies that have come out, did, did he come off as a much more serious type? And doesn't Tony sort of infer or tell a story about how his father was all business and didn't really have time for, I don't know if it was spending time yeah. with Tony or so. And I love the Howard Stark that we got on this show. I thought he did a great job. All his facial expressions and, you know, quips and everything. I thought it worked really well, but it sort of stood out to me that this was like a really different cat than the Howard Stark that they were showing us earlier in the movie universe. Yeah. I mean, we get a, I think we get a pretty good sense of it in, in the first Avenger, but in Iron Man two, which is the first time we actually see Howard Stark, uh, where he's played by, um, John Slattery from Mad Men is, um, the, the serious bit, you know, where he leaves that video, the movie for, for Tony, and, you know, we get the bit with, you know, Tony talking to Fury about his father. But there's that bit at the end when I think he thinks that he's not actually recording um, for real. And he's like joking around or something. He's like, uh, he starts clowning around a little bit, which I think kind of shows a little bit of a softer side of of him. That I think that was the first hint that that he was a bit of a joker uh, as well. Um, but, but it was, and Tony had never seen that. Like when he was watching that and that came up on the, on the film, it 
you could tell by the expression on on his face that that was like whoa it, like i don't remember my dad being like this you know it, it had that appearance to it so i mean that that definitely fits yeah and i don't mean to uh make it sound like i'm nitpicking that they're screwing up their own continuity i don't mean that at all it's just interesting to me how you know they took a character that they were going to use only in flashbacks and now all of a sudden he's kind of like co-starring this television show sure, that sure. nobody thought would happen five years ago <laughs> you know so it's interesting just what they've changed and what they needed to do to make it all work. Yeah, and it's funny because in, in my notes, that's one of the things I have is is talking about Howard, and I think this is that turning point. I think this is the point where he stops being the playboy, you know, almost almost kind of like Tony's moment, you know, in the cave, right? I mean, that was the that was the turning point for him to realize the error of his ways, and you you know, granted, I mean, he still as we've seen in the other movies, he still can have fun and he can still be lighthearted, but he's not as, as careless and as carefree as he was, you know, prior to that incident. I almost think that we're kind of seeing the same thing with Howard in this moment. Like he's, he's seen firsthand how his inventions and his carelessness and his womanizing has put not only himself in, in jeopardy, but, you know, cost the, you know, one of the head, agency heads for for the ssr to be killed um several agents to be killed you know a whole movie theater full of people to be killed and then potentially all of of you know downtown you know times square in new york uh to to go into chaos um you know where he has that moment when he comes back and he's like i'm going to destroy all my inventions uh you know and move on and you know i don't think anybody thinks that he's going to stop inventing you know obviously we know that's not the case you know just based on what's to come later on but that he's going to be more careful about what he does and i'm thinking that this is kind of what puts him down the path to start shield where he feels like maybe he needs to work with the government instead of working on his own and then having the government either confiscate his stuff or um, have more direct input into what he's doing right yeah that makes sense Sousa has like the worst luck on the planet, I think. Oh yeah, poor guy. I gets... cringed even at, even at the end when he like asks her for drinks or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, this guy can't catch a break. Yeah, loses his leg in World War Two. Gets sprayed with that crazy uh, uh, item seventeen or whatever it is that makes him go berserk in the in the theater. Yeah, uh, and then get shot. But it's kind of cool. They kind of left it open where Peggy, she was almost I think. Uh, happy that Sousa asked her out it wasn't like a a, a complete blow off but it was kind of like a uh a little bit of an ego boost I think for for Peggy yeah and I did like the scene where uh Sousa takes down uh the doctor and he has the earplugs in so the yes he's pretending that he's getting hypnotized yes but he's really not and he, and he tricks uh what's his name too yeah Thompson yeah yes yeah, I love that. Again, the, the, how they think. I mean, even though the guy, the poor guy, has the worst luck in the world, uh, he proves himself to be a, a competent agent. That you know, look, he you know he may not be able to you know run a quarter mile, but he's still a valuable part of the team, and you know probably smarter than the average SSR agent at this point. Yeah, and no trick leg, no. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't. Uh, we there was no no big fake out there. But I did like the bit where Stark said something about uh, to Sousa. He's like, you know, I could do so. I could help you out with that, you know. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. I, th- I thought that was kind of a cool uh, nod there. I still love Dottie. Yeah. Um, I love the way she turns it on and off, the yep. act. And it's kind of a cool contrast, right? Because agent carter or peggy is trying so hard to break out of this like uh opinion that all women are ditzy and you know uh not worth much in the work world and when Dottie needs to trick a cop or anybody else that's exactly what she turns on the ditzy routine um so it's sort of like a mirror image the two of them and i love how they're using like little red highlights um, whether it be like the pinstriping on her suit jacket yes. or the red dot on her gun. I don't know if you noticed that. In yeah. The, uh, when they're in the car and the cop has pulled them over, 
and she starts to take out her weapon right when the doctor says, you know, let's not make this worse and, and he'll, you know, get them out of it sort of thing. There's like a little red dot on the gun. It could be the safety even or, uh, you know, a button of some kind. But, you know, they're using these little red cues with Dottie. And, um, you know, certainly we, uh, the Black Widow spider, we kind of associate with the red mark under the right. belly of the spider. And Black Widow... Um, you know, the Scarlett Johansson character, the belt buckle is like the Black Widow sim- symbol. Yep. It's kind of like an hourglass, right? I guess yeah. a red hourglass. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's interesting how they always put a little bit of red in with Dottie. I think it's a really nice touch. Yeah, and just the whole manipulator thing, right? I mean, we saw that with Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow in mainly in the Avengers, and, and to some degree in Iron Man too, when she came in. But especially in, in the Avengers, when she totally manipulated Loki into giving up his, his plan um, and thinking that, you know, that he got the better of her when, it all you know, it was all just an act. And she, you know, did that turnaround and, and you know, you know, put her hand on her ear to hit the intercom and said, you know, the target's, you know, banner. Right. Um, you know, same thing. Dottie same. even has that dialogue here where she's telling Peggy, I can, I can be anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so they've definitely tied them in. Yeah, which again is something that Scarlet, uh, that Scarlet's character, Black Widow, and Captain America: The Winter Soldier. She even asked Cap, "Who do you want me to be?" Right. You know, just that whole bit where they're driving after they stole the car. Um, again, so a lot of little subtleties. I think if you can, you know, whether they're intentional, I, I would think because I mean, again, same writers, uh, same you know producers, you know, between the the Cap flicks and and this one. So, uh, you know, I don't think any of this is necessarily by accident. Um, but I, I like that they kept her alive too. I really, I really like that. Um, I thought the battle, I thought their fight was was good. I, I like the way that that Peggy finally got the upper hand and kicked her out the window. Um, I thought it was a little brief, but yeah, um, you know, especially because I think this has been one of those things where it's had this big, big lead up, and I would have expected that that fight to go on a little bit longer uh, between the two of them. Just because of how competent they are as, um, as you know, combatants, uh, right? And, and clearly, these actresses, you know, don't have the chops that a Ming Na Wen has. Sure. Um, and they're doing a lot more quick cutting away and yeah, views from behind so that they can get a stunt person with a wig in there, and you can't tell. Um, I do like the way they have sped up. Dottie's fighting a little bit so it's almost like that super soldier speed not quite but uh, you know like what they did with Blonsky and the Incredible Hulk and sure, stuff but sure. she's she's a little faster than she should be if you notice especially when um, the doctor is still in the car listening to the radio news and Dottie gets out to take care of the security guard in the like hangar and uh, she, like, spin kicks him, and it's just a little bit, like, hyperspeed. Yeah. Um, which is cool. I mean, it's an effect that works, definitely. Yeah. And then Evchenko, I mean, again, you know, Faustus, you know, whatever you want to call him, you know, the, keeping him alive, too. I mean, which we'll, I think we'll get to that in a bit because that's, that's a, obviously a key scene. But, but I, I, again, it just, it just shows that if, if that's the case, that they set this up for, for another season and, uh, you know, that, that this wasn't just a one-and-done done thing yeah it, se- it, it seems that way um and and leaving them alive would would lead you to i mean listen it's sort of odd to have a finale with really no deaths right like on tv yeah. these days it seems like somebody should have died so just the fact that they've left it pretty much intact seems like uh you know obviously they're hoping for another season yeah i think at this point I think it's probably 50-50. I mean, I think at this point the only thing going for it to get a season two is just the fact that if they're going to keep it at the eight-episode format, it's short enough that they could probably they could probably spin that off to either an Amazon or a Netflix or uh, you know probably do okay with selling the video rights to that thing to where they could probably – they'll probably do all right. Yeah, I'm sure that it will. Um, I don't know. You know, I wonder if this was kind of a test for a bigger plan, maybe not only for Agent Carter, but for other eight 
episode series that they could stick into hiatus time. You know, I don't know what they would be. A- Agent Carter was perfect. It was like made for for this. Right. Um, and we've talked, you know, over and over again about the, having that one shot as sort of like a test run. Um, I don't know what else they could try. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's been talk of like a Hawkeye series or, um, you know, something. I guess they got to, you know, again, they just have to be careful with using properties that won't handcuff them on the movie side. You know, that if they think they can get a movie deal out of it, then, you know, if they want to try their hand at a TV show first, then they got to pick somebody that's going to have the star star power to carry a full feature. Um, and if they want to bring a, you know, movie person to TV, then, you know, they have to find somebody that's not going to want, you know, a hundred million dollars to, you know, to come back and do a eight to 10 or 12 episode TV series. Right. And Renner's done TV before. So, um, you know, who knows, but he seems like a pretty busy guy on the movie side too. So. Is there any official talk of Hawkeye, or is that totally fan? Yeah, I think that's totally fan. Yeah. But yeah, I've heard nothing official. I think they're just trying to think, you know, like who who would make sense? Because, I mean, obviously you're not going to get any of the heavy hitters uh, to come sure. in and do a TV gig. Falcon would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Mackie, Mackie seems like uh, if, they, if they would give him the cash, he would uh, – if they cut the check, he, he, he'll cash it. Uh, oh, one one thing that was funny too is when Peggy has her walkie-talkie, it has the SSR logo on it, uh, and I thought that was funny because it's one of the things we mentioned on Agents of Shield that, uh, and even in the movies, like everything has a Shield logo. You know the, you know the folders and the coffee cups and the cars and the you know lanyards and the whole nine yards. Uh, so I thought that was maybe we're seeing the the beginnings of the uh, the branded gear. Yeah, that reminds me. There's um. Loot Crate has announced that their uh, March Loot Crate will be, I think it's called the Covert theme. Yeah. Um, and it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Orphan Black, which is a really cool BBC show if anybody's looking for some cool sci-fi to watch. But uh, there's a there's a prop, a replica, a, um, how do they put it? A, a prop quality replica. Yes. Uh, in it that they're not revealing and everybody's like you know it's the lanyard <laughs> <laughs> so that would be pretty cool to get a uh, shield lanyard in your loot crate yeah yeah it looks like Peggy and uh, and Angie are getting a new a new place to live so it looks like they're not gonna keep going with the uh, with the uh, the hotel. Yeah, Angie turned out sort of unneeded, didn't she? Yeah, I, I, yeah, which is kind of surprising because I really, I mean, early on, one of the things I was dead wrong on was I really thought she there was something up with her. Like, and I guess maybe Dottie coming in kind of took that over. Like that, that's where they went with that. Um, yeah. But I, I think if if they do a season two, I think that's maybe an aspect they'll play up a little more, especially if the two of them are living in the same mansion together um which is fine i like Lindsay fonseca i think uh i think if if they could find a way to maybe bring her into the fold i mean and maybe that's their plan is you know that she would become the second female ssr agent or uh or what have you that uh you know given that she's an aspiring actress and you know can put on a show that maybe peggy would utilize her you know covertly yeah i mean they it's an interesting idea, but they really didn't lead you to believe that she's useful in any way. I mean, I guess she did act her way out of that one scene where Peggy is on the ledge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing I have in my notes is, so they, they released the gas in the theater, and then everybody killed themselves. Or killed each other, I guess I should say. I was curious how the last person died. Like... <laughs> Did, did, I guess, two people punch themselves out at the same time or uh, stab each other at the same time or something like that? I don't know. It's yes. just kind of funny. Like, everybody's dead. It's like, okay, well, wouldn't there be, like, one person left standing? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. That's funny. Uh, but, again, and I, you, got, you mentioned it last week, John, but uh, we both saw Kingsman, The Secret Service, and it's just funny how that plot just 
coincidentally happened to be very similar with the uh, yeah with yeah. that and Samuel Jackson is yes in that. yes yes I don't really I mean other than the ending the the big the big reveal at the end I don't really have oh oh I will uh, well there's two things I want to talk about and I think with the last we could save the last one till the end because uh, I think we'll have some Facebook comments that'll kind of lead either to or from that discussion. Um, so at the very end, did you th- did you think it was going to be Whitehall that he was thrown into the cell with? Yes. That's what I thought. And my brain, you know, I don't have the, the knowledge. Like, my brain is going, can it be Whitehall? Like, where are we at in time? Where is Whitehall? <laughs> you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, do the math in my head quick enough. Um, and then it was obviously revealed that it wasn't Whitehall. It was... Uh, Zola. Yeah, which is crazy because, I mean, that's one of those things where we didn't hear of, like, Toby Jones, like, showing up on the credits or we didn't hear about Toby Jones, you know, do, filming anything for Marvel. Uh, you know, we didn't hear about any of that. And then, I mean, it was perfect. I mean, we hear the voice. And as soon as he started with the voice, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, that was, to me, that was like the perfect capper at the end of that episode. To have him get pulled, well, A, you get... You get Faustus coming in and all Hannibal Lecter. You know they basically wire his mouth shut so the dude can't, yeah, uh, can't yeah. speak and uh, hypnotize anybody. But the fact that they put him in with Zola, knowing you know what's gonna you know where things are going, that you know Zola is gonna be brought into the fold of Shield, uh, and that you know he is gonna be you know one of these uh, Project Paperclip scientists that I'm assuming, you know he brings you know Faustus along or convinces the government that they should. Uh, you know, use him, and obviously Zola is going to recruit him onto the Hydra side, not the Shield side. Um, and then coupled the fact with the Winter Soldier, knowing that you know it was kind of like Hydra that was behind the Winter Soldier the whole time, and his, his ties to being Russian that we find out from the Black Widow, uh, and the fact that you know brainwashing is a big part of what they do with the Winter Soldier. It, it just like all it just it all tied in so nice and neat I thought uh, I was really really surprised by that yeah and and again you know you have to be pretty deep into this Marvel stuff to pick all of it up like you just laid out you know and I, I I'm pretty sure they're assuming that most of the viewers of this show are that deep into the Marvel movies and everything um, so it works out perfectly. And, and the one thing I thought of is, again, for a, for a season two, you could have other Winter Soldiers, right? Like sure. beginnings of the program. Sure. And, um, you know, much like they did with Dottie in the Black Widow program, there could be early versions of, of Winter Soldiers that, that show up, which would be awesome. Well, and Sebastian Stan, he got his, like, one of the big things he did prior to and I guess even like right right after uh, Captain America: The First Avenger was he 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 was on that show Once Upon a Time, which is an ABC show. Right. Um. So he's pretty big on that show for a while. So again, he's one of those guys where he's got a big Marvel contract. Uh. I wouldn't. I. That wouldn't overly surprise me to see him. You know, cameo on Agent Carter as you know an early incarnation of the Winter Soldier, even. Which that would, I think, I think if they went that way in a season two, I think that would just be completely mind blowing. I mean, for them to to hook all that in and somehow uh, find a way to to loop in that program in the early days of that character, I think would be would be pretty crazy. Yeah, definitely. So the show ends, and we don't get like we discussed before. We don't get the formation of Shield. We don't get. Um, you know, Peggy Carter being put in charge of anything. I mean, for the most part for her, like we said, it's kind of status quo um, with the caveat that she's kind of gained the respect of her employees at this point. She's not just somebody that's going to get coffee, I would assume. Um, but one of the things like from a timing perspective, you know, we've, we've gone back to the one shot a couple times. We talked a lot about the one shot. And one of the things you guys mentioned, I think, last week was, you know, that basically the one shot may end up being just like a proof of concept. I mean, I know that the producers or the writers have talked about the, the one shot being canon. But the more we look at this show, the more difficult it is. 
if you want to be strict to canon, it's going to be very difficult to shoehorn that show in. Um, because one of the things, at, at the beginning of the one shot, it starts kind of like this show did with, you know, with her talking to Steve in the plane. Um, we know that obviously happened before VE Day in May of 45. So we were thinking like probably March, maybe April when Cap uh, went down in the plane before before um, the Allies won in Europe. And so the one shot starts with one year later. So it's 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 sometime in April you know, maybe May of, of 46. Well, this show, they made a point of saying it was VE day. Like that was the big gathering in times square was May 8th, 1946. Right. So the time in the, at the beginning of the one shot, she had been in that station for three months with, um, with Bradley Whitford's character being in charge. So when you put the timing of this in there, it just doesn't like the two of them don't fit exactly. So either that, you know that show is still quoting canon, but the timeline's a little more loosey goosey, or they end up just basically saying, "Look," and I'm totally fine with it. Like, I, it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. Um, you know, it's perfectly acceptable if they're just like, you know what, you know, this thing took off better than we thought. We had a better plan. You know, we had a better idea for you know how we can, you know, advance this story and forward this character and. You know that that story just didn't didn't really fit right in, um, but but you know to treat it just almost like a proof of concept or whatever. Yeah. So what do you think of overall? So episode eight, what what would you where would you rank it? I, I thought that the show finished pretty strongly. I, I liked the last three. You know, probably as much as any of the episodes of the series. Um, I don't think it was like a killer finale, uh, but it was definitely a killer tag on. Yeah, and this is this is the first time they did the tag on, right? I don't remember one for Agent Carter. No, previously, no. Yeah, this is yeah, the, yeah. They 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 didn't follow the Shield formula until this episode. Yeah, that was cool. I, Marvel, they've mastered not letting the fans down <laughs> like they always give you a little something extra uh you know if that scene didn't happen i might have you know whatever my final rating for agent carter will be it might have been like 0.5 lower if they didn't add <laughs> that last tag on um and you know we're all about it all being connected obviously yeah and uh and that's the big connection there are other subtle ones sure with the black widow stuff and and different things with Howard Stark and everything, but this is the big connection, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, to me, that, that bit, you know, the, the, the Zola bit is what I give it a four for this week. And I've been pretty three, five, you know, thereabouts, you know, for the series, I, I think it's been good, but not, not, you know, blowing my socks off. Um, but I think there were just a couple things in this episode that just made me, you know, I guess put me a little more at peace with the fact that this isn't about shield and the formation of shield. This is about Peggy Carter and what she did before all that happened. Um, and I think that's, that's okay. Yeah. And I think if they do a season two and season two is how Peggy Carter started shield, you look at the whole 16 episodes and you probably say that was one damn good television season. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I, I, yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't see this. I think if we get two seasons out of this, I'll feel, I'll feel pretty lucky. I don't see us getting a third. Um, and if it doesn't get a season two, I think they could backdoor this thing into an episode of or two of Agents of Shield. Like they could, you know, do a flashback type episode where you know. Uh, Coulson's looking at case files and, you know, or they, they find some way to shoehorn Leviathan into to S.H.I.E.L.D. and, you know, they do some kind of flashback like they've done, you know, with Whitehall and, and, a, and you know, a couple other times where, you know, we could we could kind of get what we're we're looking for out of that. So I'm, I'm not too concerned that they're just going to completely leave us hanging if, if they decide not to do a season two. Yeah, and I don't think I um, I don't think I rated I would give this finale a three seven five and i'd probably give the series 
I'll give the series a 3.5, which is definitely in the good area. Again, no no real gripes, just not my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I I think that's fair. I I'm I think on the whole I would probably be a, there as well, about a three and a half. Um, because yeah, it just like I said, it, good but not great. Uh, you know, uh, as as much as I liked the way it ended and where it kind of put put things, um, it it just seemed they're just, and you've said it before, and I think I think it's it's accurate. Is this felt like Agents of Shield before? winter soldier like there's just something you can't put your finger on that's just not like that's not quite doing it for you and then you know with that show once they kind of got to that demarcation line it was just like boom you know it's just like you know that like somebody switched a, a lever right um and it, and it changed and i'm hoping that you know maybe now that they've got their legs with this if we do get a season two that it'll be more in tune with what you know we we think it should be or um hope it to be maybe they just need bill paxton Always good to have Bill Paxton. You can never have too much Bill Paxton. Damn Skippy. Uh, how about Facebook? I know I we got a little action on Facebook. People are pretty um, animated about this finale. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our, our podcasting brother, Daryl Taylor, said, It was really lackluster, and I hate to say that because I love the Peggy Carter character. Um Brian Arnold said, I love the series as a whole, but I agree that the season finale was a bit underwhelming, except for the great last scene. Uh, last week's episode was more thrilling. Still, I hope the series comes back for a second season. Uh, and I, I think Brian's comments is probably are probably more in line with how we feel. It's like, I don't hate it, and I don't think it's something that should just go away and never come back, but it, it didn't blow me away, you know? Like, I think... Honestly, I think if if it was one of those deals where if we weren't you know actively doing a podcast on it, I probably you know would have let a couple episodes pile up even in between. Like it wouldn't have been pure event viewing TV for me, um, like like it is. Right. Um, our our buddy Victor over at the Modern Gaffa had a had a pretty long uh, dissertation about this episode. Um, some of it made sense to me. Uh, some of it did not. Uh, and that's more a reflection on me than him, uh, just because he mentions a lot of uh, uh, Power Rangers type stuff, like we were talking about earlier. Um, but he said the the one shot was more than enough for me. All this series did was expand that and add Jarvis. Uh, hell yeah, Jarvis! But also no, no Peggy, no SSR, no, no. Bring on the Inhumans. Um, that was rough. Yeah, yeah. I'm. You know, I I can't say I share that completely i mean again i think we're all excited for agents of shield uh to get back and going um obviously the comparisons to the uh super sentai show which is i guess the japanese version of what we call power rangers uh i don't really have much to add there uh, unfortunately um but but yeah bring on the humans uh i'm all, I'm all for it um adam uh said i agree with daryl and brian that the season finale was underwhelming I don't know if I if I will commit to watch a season two, so hmm. don't know if we're going to get a season two. But uh, but if we do, I, I again, I, I think I think we'll be. I think I think it'll improve upon season one. But that's just my opinion. Maybe I'll do a couple of positive ones that came in on Twitter. Sure. Um, Phil. <laughs> whose Twitter name is Phil the Guy. Sure. Just left hashtag Hail Hydra, which <laughs> is uh, certainly, uh, I think that would be right as the show ended. Um, we agree, Hail Hydra, back at you. Uh, Marvel Girl 83, she has uh, four comments. One, I need more. Two, hashtag amazing, hashtag kickass. That's really two in one comment but we're gonna we'll give her a break three Haley atwell so good as peggy four stark jarvis susa so she cheated a little bit that was way more than four comments um but she's certainly excited about everybody uh she also said my two favorite moments last night uh susa hitting dr faustus with the gun which we talked about which was awesome and howard calling peggy pal yeah which um yeah, that was cool. 
I can't remember when it happened, Russ. When exactly did that happen? Uh, that was at the end, like when everybody was like all huggy huggy, like when he went to Jarvis and was, you know, gave him a big hug for not shooting him down and you know, they were all kind of happy to yes, to, to be yes. reunited. He Again, I, I think that's one of the things the series did well is I think it would be real easy for them and on the Jarvis side too, I think this could have fell into the trap of love triangle or unrequited love or something like that. And which is so cliched in TV shows. I mean, you can't have two, you can't have a male and a female that at some point eventually don't, you know, fall for each other. Um, And I think this series did a really good job of Peggy knowing who Howard is and Howard knowing who Peggy is and the two of them keeping it at that level. Um, And I think Jarvis, you almost get a hint that maybe he has some admiration for Peggy yeah, but then it kind of gets pulled back, and you think it's more. I really get the sense it's more respect than it is, like he has any kind of feelings for her. Yes, and again, also sort of awkward that he definitely had a wife to start the series. <laughs> yes, but hasn't really mentioned her since then, and apparently now spends a lot of time in that you know uh, Stark mansion, you know, yeah. rather than in the house that he was in earlier on. Um, I think the one frustrating part of the frustration for me is that I do really like Haley Atwell and I do really like Peggy and I almost wish that, you know, she could be on shield and interact with Coulson and may and, you know, sky. Um, it's almost a little frustrating that you have to being that she's from the forties, you have to kind of you know, build this whole universe in the 40s and not, she won't get to play in the S.H.I.E.L.D. sandbox. Um, You know, and I think they struggled a little bit with building interesting enough characters to stand with Peggy because she's such a strong character. Yeah. Yeah, and I think... And maybe the whole... Eight. It basically was one big eight eight hour movie. I mean, when you when you look at look at it, or you know, eight forty, you know, forty five minutes times eight, um, put into one because it it was really one story for the most part. I mean, it had its its pieces, but I, I almost wish that maybe I, I guess maybe what I was looking for was more one and dones. You know, more just like her you know, being an agent and her doing agenty things. And this was more just like her proving herself to be an agent. And, and, you know, it was so wrapped up in start with Stark, you know, that she was on the outs for most of, most of the episode, not really being an SSR agent, but, but doing her own thing. Right. Um, but we shall see. Yeah. I mean, at this point, nothing, nothing is guaranteed. I, I can't, I don't even, it's not even guaranteed at this point we'd get a season three out of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I, I'm assuming we will, but, uh, but it's, it's not a, you know, nothing's been, been officially renewed yet. Yeah, and, and we've sort of been, you know, we started off this show doing a lot of ratings talk and kind of got redundant after a while. Um, you know, the show basically was holding at, at where it's at. I will check again for the return after the big reveal at the end of the, you know, with uh, with Sky and, and Quake and Inhumans and, and Reyna and all that stuff. Um, and I happen to know a lot. I, I Well, I shouldn't say I know a lot of people. I see a lot of internet buzz of people saying, I just caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and can't wait, you know. I'm, I'm interested to see that number when they come back. Yeah. Yeah, me too. The- I think we hit that point where, you know, a lot of people gave up season one yeah uh heard how awesome it got at the end of season one (laughs) yeah and now this hiatus has given that opportunity to catch up and is the beginning of season two streaming anywhere yet no or is that still like an itunes uh yeah or hulu i'm sure if you you go to hulu and probably get uh, if they were smart you know hulu typically keeps i think the last seven episodes if they were smart, it's only ten episodes long. They would they would keep all ten up if they were smart. Um, I haven't looked. I I do have. I mean, obviously, you could look up Hulu on the computer, and I have a Hulu Plus. Um, but I haven't I haven't paid attention just because I'm I'm caught up. 
but it would be smart if they did that so that, yeah, if people binge-watched Season 1, because Season 1 showed up on Netflix after Season 2, I think, started. Uh, so, if, so if folks caught up with Season 1 on Netflix and then went to either Hulu or, or Amazon or iTunes or whatever and, and gobbled up the beginning of Season 2, then, yeah, I could see they're, they're ready to roll with uh, with the second half. Right. And the Oscars was on ABC, so I didn't watch the Oscars, but I'm assuming they probably played at least one or two promos for the return of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, during that broadcast, which, again, that's so, that's seen by so many people. Uh, you know, again, you know, my concern was just, you know, Catch-22, you know, last season the problem was so many fits and starts and breaks and things like that that people couldn't get a good handle on you know, when it was on or if it was on or if it was even a new episode. Now it's been off for two plus months. You know, have people gotten out of the habit and are they, you know, do they realize it's it's coming back? So hopefully that'll give it a shot in the arm to put it back into people's memories. And by the way, Hulu is not smart. They're not. Only the uh, last five episodes are available. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's typically the way they do it. Oh, well. That's why we should be on more payrolls. Exactly. exactly. Or a payroll. A payroll. It would be fantastic. Yes. So, next week, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns. Yes. And uh, I'm looking forward to it a lot. I enjoyed Agent Carter. It's done. I'm ready for, uh, I'm ready for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Daisy. I will no longer call her Sky. <laughs> Touche. We may wait until, since there's supposed to be an announcement next Thursday, we may we may hold off recording so that way we're not recording on a Wednesday and then big news comes out Thursday and then we have to wait a whole week to talk about it. Um, I doubt it's going to be big enough that would warrant us to, to do a special recording like we did for Spider-Man. Um, but if it's another trailer or something like that, uh, it might be worthwhile yeah. to, to delay... Uh, and record on Thursday or Friday. That sounds reasonable. Plus, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about uh, with the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for episode 52 of It's All Connected. Um, Anything else? No, I'm good to go. Um, You know, check check our friends. We mentioned the Modern Gaffa a bunch of times today. Uh, MCUExchange.com as well. They have some cool new articles going up all the time and uh they're good enough to post our podcast articles there as well um and i think the new trend is we're going to give you all the important info on the hhwlod.com article for the show so we won't have to repeat phone numbers and twitter and facebook and all that stuff uh all the links will be in the show article absolutely a couple things in closing uh one we've been talking about it on facebook we've been talking about on the show um, about trying to solicit iTunes reviews. Uh, we appreciate those that have added iTunes reviews. Um, we have seen the show kind of boost its profile. We've seen some, some growth in the show in general. Um, uh, but we're, we're going to, as you hear this, uh, on the next episode, on episode 52 of It's All Connected, we will announce a winner uh, for those that have left iTunes comments for the digital copy of Guardians of the Galaxy as well as a... Uh, variant cover of the comic for uh, issue one of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comic that came out. Uh, John, Between John and I, we've got a few uh, we've got a few copies of that that we'll probably be sprinkling out uh, for, for a little bit now. Um, you know what, Russ? It looks like, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, we have three new ones. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Um, Chech Movie. I listen every week, get my Marvel fix. If I've read any of these or if you guys have read any of these yet, that came on January 21st. I don't think we've read. No, we haven't. We haven't covered then. any. Uh, com left us one. Five stars. So glad they made the switch from S.H.I.E.L.D. to MCU as a whole. Uh, thank you. Mike BD 50 Mickey. No, Mikey. Mickey, Mikey. It's spelt funny. M-I-K-I-E. I don't know how you say that. Um, BD 50 is at the end of it. You're home for all the Marvel connections with no spoilers. I listened to several of the HHWLOD podcasts, but this one I find not only fun, but extremely informative. The MCU can be extremely confusing, but It's All Connective is great at helping to bring it all together. Thank you, Mickey or Mikey. 
Cool Calm John says, best dedicated MCU podcast out. Great podcast for fans of the MCU. A great companion piece now that we're getting nearly year-round MCU installments. So that's really cool. We got a bunch. Uh, we got a bunch in one shot, which is great. And uh, maybe that's the reason we were, we were wondering why iTunes was suddenly showing us. Yeah, <laughs> on uh, front pages and stuff. Maybe we've unlocked the mystery. And you, it, listen. If you listen to the show and you didn't like it. You know, let that reflect in your review. We're not begging you for five star reviews. We're just uh, asking you to chime in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you got one more week. I mean, obviously you can leave iTunes review anytime, but if you want to be entered in the contest, uh, you've got one about one more week as you listen to this. Like I said, uh, for episode fifty two, we will announce uh, a winner for that contest uh, and get you your free goodies uh, and. Uh, like we've mentioned in the past, uh, check out our Patreon campaign over at patreon.com slash it's all connected, uh, where we have a few contributors to the Patreon already, and we greatly thank them for their support of the show. Uh, we kind of are working on the value for value model. If you get some value out of the show and what we do and the entertainment we bring, uh, and not even just on this show, but the network as a whole, um, you know, throw, throw a few pennies our way. I mean, you can contribute pretty much as little as you want. I mean, if you want to commit a nickel a show, um, we've committed that no matter how many shows we do in a month, we would uh, put up towards the, the monthly amount no more than four. Uh, so we'll hold to that. And then you could also put a monthly capper on your donation so you don't have to worry about us spamming you out. And, um, you know, if you if you put an amount in there of us just flooding out uh, the shows on the feed and then you're getting smacked for it. Um, but, yeah, check that out, patreon.com slash it's all connected. Uh, we appreciate any support that we can get uh, for the show. Like we've talked about before, we've got a few stretch goals. Uh, there's some other stuff that we uh, are anxious to do and to and to be able to do, um, not just on the audio side, but on the video side as well. Uh, and and as John mentioned, head over to hhwlod.com for all of the the big contact information for Facebook, you know, links, Twitter, uh, emails, phone numbers, all that good stuff. The YouTube channel. Uh, all that, all that cool and good stuff. You can check it out over there at hhwlod.com. Yes. So we will see you next week for the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Have a good night. Night. <laughs>